Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, so I'm here with Siraj Ravel. Siraj, it's great to meet you in person. Yeah. I've been talking about your YouTube videos on the podcast for, I've talked about a couple of them, and like I wanted to talk about you like every week. Oh, uh, because yeah. there's so many great videos, but I've held back a lot. You know, I got to spread the love. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to get a chance to meet you in person. And, you know, I just wanted to spend a few minutes kind of talking about what you're up to and how you got, how you got here. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm totally down. Appreciate you coming over. Nice. So, uh, you know, let's start there. Like, how did you get into machine learning? I, so, I mean, ever since I was uh, in college, like, uh, I was I was looking for something to really put all my energy into. And what it was for me was a robotics lab at, at my school at Columbia. And the robotics lab was my first foray into machine learning. And I found yeah. that there were all these problems that I wanted to solve that at the time, deep learning wasn't really a thing that deep learning would then solve later, like in two years. And so I was looking into like the initial types of machine learning, like support vector machines and things like that. And just gradually over time, I realized like, hey, neural nets, deep learning, this stuff is like going to solve so many problems. Uh, so yeah, I've just always been into intelligence and solving intelligence. That's that's pretty much my, my main driver in life. Like I want to help humanity solve intelligence because I think it's the most important thing we can do. So Columbia is, you know, not San Francisco and we're sitting here in San Francisco. Like, what was the path? How did you get, how'd you end up here and what are you up to? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was at Columbia and honestly, I didn't feel like I really fit into Columbia. I, I was, you know, I, I fit in really well here in San Francisco and like Silicon Valley culture. I think cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not so much into like going to classes in person and just like studying subjects that I don't care a lot about like i just wanted to just study robotics and ai so once i was at the robotics lab i felt like okay this is this is like my thing i'm going to keep doing this um, but that only lasted like a year and then i had a startup called lucid robotics where i was trying to create a robot for your home like a platform where each app would be a physical task so you'd have an app for like cleaning the dishes and stuff clearly this was way out of scope at the time but at the time you couldn't tell me that i had to see the computer science problems myself what actually ended the startup, I mean, we raised funding from Sabir Batia, the founder of Hotmail. We, we had a team. What ended the startup was we couldn't get the robot to pick up a simple novel object that it had never seen before. Mm. Deep learning now solves this. Mm -hmm. so, then, so then after the startup failed, I dropped out. I dropped out of Columbia. I just was so disenchanted with so many things. And I felt like San Francisco was the place where I could go to rediscover myself. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, it's been a, you know, quite a journey. And there's been a lot of uncertainty in my life about what I should be doing, the path I should be moving towards. Uh, but I'm lucky enough to have come to the conclusions that I have that intelligence is the most important thing for us to solve in our lifetime. Because if we don't solve it, then some other cat catastrophe could wipe out our species, whether it's biochemical terrorism or some natural disaster or, you know, any, something like that. We have to solve intelligence. Yeah. So how did you, how did that bring you to doing a YouTube channel? Yeah. So, at, so I, you know, I had a few jobs here as an engineer at CBS mm -hmm. interactive and at Twilio and they were, they were incredible. I love these positions, but engineering itself just, I don't know. I felt like I could, 
I could be having more impact. At Twilio, I mean, Twilio was a great place. They, I was doing, was company. it was a great company. I was doing developer education and like that was my full-time role. So I was doing technical writing. It was the first time I hadn't just been doing code. And I found like, okay, this is, this is my thing. Like technical writing, this is awesome. I get to, I get to combine my writing ability and my coding ability. Yeah. But I think for me, like the reason that I left um, was that I wanted to do video documentation. I believe in the future of video documentation. Mm. Um, and and I, I feel like Tulio was going on a different path. So I decided, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do this full time. Mm-hmm. And so I started the YouTube channel on the side while I was at Tulio. Okay. So I was making one video a week, but the quality wasn't at the level that I wanted it to be. I didn't have enough like the production equipment wasn't good enough. Yeah. I, w- I wasn't giving enough time to the technical writing. So the only option I had was to quit and do this full time. Okay. And so, so then I was just like, all right, here we go. And now how many have you done? Videos so far? Yeah. Um, I think it's like, it's at least, at least like 28 videos now. Wow. Almost 30. It's one video a week, every week since like January 1st. Wow. Nice. Nice. And you've, the, Original show was called Machine Learning for Hackers. Is that right? Yeah, Machine Learning for Hackers. And you you just launched a new one? Yeah, Fresh Machine Learning. And does that one replace Machine Learning for Hackers, or are they like two parallel tracks that continue uh, ongoing? You know, it's interesting because the idea with Machine Learning for Hackers is that it's meant for developers. And Fresh Machine Learning was also meant for developers, but it was like a different topic subset. It was like newer things. But what I've noticed is that I have – so my subscribers – I have three different types of people who are watching me. I have the research scientists, the cool kids who are like developing the novel algorithms. Then there's the developers who are honestly, they're also the cool kids. And those are the people I really want to, you know, uh, they were my main motivation from the start. Like I want to make things for developers. And then there's actually this third subset, which I'm learning about, which are people who are not really technical, but they really want to be. So it's like, I have to make videos that are catering to each of them. Um, so I'm still kind of trying to figure out like, you know, cause sometimes my videos cater to the research scientists, sometimes to the developers, sometimes to the, the, you know, people who are not very technical. So I think for now I'm making videos that kind of cater to all three, yeah. but eventually I want to get up, get to the point where I have channels, dedicated channels for each of these subsets. Yeah. And for that, I have to grow a little bit more. Okay. Great. It sounds like in a lot of ways, a parallel path to mine with, with this podcast, I, um, you know, my initial vision was, you know, I just couldn't get enough machine learning information. Like I, I, you know, spend the week like opening up uh, web browser tabs of articles that I wanted to read or papers that I wanted to take a look at. And I'd end up in a given week with like 80 to 100 of these tabs open. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Not And, and then you spend some time going through it and half of it is crap. And like if everyone's doing the same thing, then, you know, people would appreciate you know, something that tries to figure out what's good and what's not and just spend some time talking about what's good. So, hey, I don't have to spend my week collecting this bag of, of yeah. tabs. And, you know, it's been super rewarding, but it's like a ton of work. It's a ton of work. And then I oh, look yeah. at your stuff and like, I can't imagine what goes into, you know, your videos because you're like going deep into a topic and then, you know, you're writing code, you're like, you know, publishing code up on GitHub. What's the process? Is it yeah. Is it the same every every week or are you like still experimenting? Yeah, so I've I've developed a methodology for this over time. Like I'm 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 building the process. So what it is is like uh the first part is research like what is the topic I want to talk about and let me just learn about it. The second part is um 
the code, like programming it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm going to program some very, very simple, what I like to call the quick start of X. So the quick start of autoencoders, the quick start of support vector machines. Yep. Then it's the technical writing. Uh, so research, code, technical writing. Then it's the production, so the actual video, like shooting it. And then it's editing. Mm -hmm. And then there's marketing and release. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's like five or six things in sequential order. And and I can I manage to to fit I'm, I'm I'm able to fit all these things into a single week, and it takes around forty to sixty hours for a single video. Generally, it's closer to sixty hours. Mm -hmm. Now I have clients, so I'm I'm increasing the output from one video a week to two. Mm -hmm. So that's like hundred twenty hours a week. That's a lot. <laughs> this is actually the first week where I have to make two videos in one week. So I'm hiring. Yeah. I'm hiring a video editor, a technical video editor, which is like a new role because they have to be a video editor who also knows kind of like how to code. Right. Because I have code and I have to like, you know, they have to point those red arrows at what I'm talking about. So they have to be at least they a They need to know what's important. They need to know what's important. Right. And they have to know the cards, you know, the cards where I'm talking, like what I'm saying, like, oh, this is irrelevant, what he's talking about, like support vector machines or whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking for unicorns basically. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? <laughs> Um, wow. So are you, so you're doing it all in one week. You're not like, you know, researching one week and producing the, you know, researching the next week's video one week and then producing it's all self-contained in that week. It's all self-contained in that week. Yeah. And how do you determine what's, you know, what you're going to talk about next? That's a good question. I, I, so, so yeah, so I browse the machine learning subreddit look yeah. at what's hot, what, what, whatever interests me. I look at hacker news. I look at, um, Twitter, like Twitter is actually a great learning tool for me. I just follow people who I think are really smart and, you know, Jan LeCun and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think my, the other data source is, um, uh, Facebook groups. I'm in a lot of machine learning Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So yeah, whatever is like new and hot and the, the intersection of what's new and hot and like what I'm into Generally, I can figure that out in like one day, mm -hmm. but it takes all day. Yeah. 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 The curation part is, yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, like I said before, and there's a lot of stuff that, you know, looks really, there's a lot of clickbait, right? It looks really interesting. Yeah. And then you get, you dig deep and it's just nothing there. Totally. Yeah. Um, or it's like just way, way too technical and you didn't even think it would be. Uh -huh. It's like a lot of math. It's like, ah, oh, here we go. Is there an example of, you know, something that you thought you wanted to take on uh, and then you just, you know, found out that it was just that the math was just too ridiculous? Um, I think. Uh, well, I can't. Well, I if I decided that I'm going to do it, I'm just like I literally don't have time to like not do it because yeah. I've you know what I mean? Because yeah. I have to keep going. But the, I can tell you that the closest I was to like not being able to finish a video was generative adversarial networks. That was, that was a great was, video. Thank you. That was the hardest video I've ever had to make because make, because that stuff, um, yeah, that stuff was pretty hard. Uh, was that the video where you're like, well, this really should be two or three videos, but I'm just going to, you know, cram it down to one and see how it goes. There was one of those where you said something like that. I thought, um, yeah, no, no, I could definitely have more than one on, uh, GANs. Yeah. Uh, so what, um, you know, that's a topic that's come up on my podcast quite a bit. Why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, talk a little bit about GANs, what'd you learn there in, in doing that project? 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ian Goodfellow, who's now a, a research scientist at, at OpenAI, he's he's the guy who authored the paper. But it's a it's a generative model that can create. Uh, so if you give it some input data, it's gonna it's gonna have some output data that's similar to the input data but different. So if you feed it like a collection of faces, it's going to generate faces that look similar but are different. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, well, how is this going to be useful? But it's a tool for any kind of engineer to design. uh, So so if you feed it like, you know, uh, a collection of living rooms, it's going to be able to generate novel living rooms that look photorealistic, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. So it's a tool to help engineers like envision their ideas better. Um, And... Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I like the idea of two dueling entities, Mm -hmm. you know, how the discriminator is always trying to, uh, fool, um, fool, fool, fool its counterpart Mm -hmm. or the, the, the counterpart is always trying to fool the discriminator. It's just always trying to detect like, Oh, is this, is this false or real? It just keeps doing that until eventually, you know, it just gets better and better. It's a brilliant idea. And like, and you know, DeepMind has done this stuff with like AlphaGo when they train two dual neural, neural nets against each other to play Go. So it just got better and better. Mm-hmm. So I think this idea of, ad, you know, of having this adversarial nature can be applied to a lot of other things in machine learning. Have you seen examples of that? I've been looking for that uh, as well. I've come across uh, or at least ideas of, of, you know, where, hey, if we can pit one machine learning algorithm or one AI against another, you know, and let them train each other. Have you seen, uh, besides from the, the generous stuff that was covered in the papers, other examples of that? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of uh, potential for like game AI. So if you mm-hmm. have, you know, a bot versus a human or just two bots versus each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. So deep is like really into games, which is cool. Uh-huh. And I think there's a lot of potential for combining, uh, adversarial, work with what they're doing in 3d games mm. just as like a, I mean, it, it's kind of like a suggestion on my part. I'm sure they've already thought about this, but if you, um, apply GANs, if you were to apply GANs to games, I think that would be really cool. I haven't seen a paper. And are that, we talking about like first person shooters type games or the types of games that they're playing, you know, in DeepMind, the Atari game? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. So, Okay, so like what I think is really cool, um, so OpenAI just yesterday, I think, released this call for um, research scientists on four problems. There was number four was, what was it? It was like create a simulation that where all the entities get better and better over time. Like, like you create an entity in the simulated world and then it learns to like what kind of food it needs, what kind of nutrition it needs to survive better and better. Like I think there's a lot of potential for adversarial uh algorithms there Mm. like two entities versus each other in this in this simulated world so maybe not necessarily just a game but any kind of simulated environment where you have a set of constraints and you want you want it you want some kind of ai to get better over time i think we're going to see a lot of um a lot of adversarial algorithms in the future and a lot of one-shot learning Mm -hmm. i'd like to see more of that because right now you know all this machine learning stuff is is kind of siphoned off to these big companies like Facebook and Google and Apple. But with, you know, if with advances in one shot learning, anybody was going to be able to uh, create these models and, and learning algorithms from sparse data. 
startups, for example, mm-hmm. that only have like, you know, 100 users, but they want to apply machine learning to that. Right. Right. Uh, so you dig into a topic like this, you know, GANs, there's, you know, research papers. Like, how do you, how do you take, how do you make the leap from that to code, to getting code up? Um, you know, a lot of the folks that listen to my podcast I've, you know, heard from, you know, are in the process of learning and they're trying to figure out projects to work on and, you know, getting from some of the things that they're reading about to, you know, some working example, like, and you've got that down to a science, right? So at this point, yeah, what, uh, <laughs> from repetition, how do you approach it? Yeah. So I think, um, for me, it's, 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 a lot of it is what I learned from Twilio, like the idea of having a quick start, like a bare bones skeleton that a developer can then build off of. What is uh-huh. the minimum viable product for, for demoing this, this idea that you have, however simple you can make it do it. So if I read something like, you know, um, a paper on like, for example, oh, there's so much, uh, autoencoders. Mm-hmm. What's the simplest thing I can do with an autoencoder? An autoencoder takes some input, compresses it, and then, uh, reconstructs it. It's only a, th- it's a three layer. It's a very simple neural network. What's the sim- most simple demo I can make with this? And I just think about it and I'm like, okay, compression. Oh, compression, just compression alone. Mm-hmm. So just use it as a compression algorithm. Hmm. So like a zip, you know, zipping, yeah, zipping and unzipping. So then I was like, okay, so then I'm like, okay, so how do I code this? So f- what I first do is I search GitHub. So I type in like very, you know, autoencoder and I look under Python because Python is awesome. And I see what's been done before. Usually, usually something has been done before. And so mm-hmm. I'll take that and I'll like, kind of like strip away the unnecessary things and add documentation, and that's going to be the demo. Okay. In the rare case it's not, then I have to code it myself. Okay. Yeah. How often does that happen, that, that you're coding I, I, it yourself? Myself, like entirely? Um, I'd say like off the top of my head, probably like 15% of the time. Okay. Yeah. So one of the, you know, the two lessons I got from that are, you know, simplify, 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 like, you know, you know, whether it's uh, the actual coding or the, you know, trying to parse the research, it's like figure out what this thing is at its bare essence and focus on that. Uh, and then like reuse, like figure out what's been done and try to use that. Is there anything else and like any other pieces of advice that you'd give to folks that are trying to work this process? Um, yeah, just like don't be intimidated by papers. Like there's a lot of math in papers, but like really like when I'm reading a paper, um, it's the abstract and the background, the process and the conclusion, which matter the most to me. And there's really not a lot of math. It's, it's, it's when they start describing, you know, certain aspects of the process that it can get really, really confusing if you don't know math notation, Mm -hmm. but math notation itself is in serious need of an upgrade. Mm-hmm. So it's more human readable. Mm-hmm. Right now it's kind of siphoned off to just these research scientists who look at this stuff every day. So I think, you know, we're going to start to see um, innovations in, in how we publish scientific research so that anybody can read it. What mm-hmm. that's going to look like, I'm not sure, but they're just, they're just too much coming out right now. And it's too important uh, for few people, for only a few people to be able to read it. So, so I would say 
if you just read the abstract of a paper and you feel like you get the gist, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go start searching GitHub with just that. Don't feel like, um, you know, guilty or, or something. And, and definitely look at videos. And, and what I try to do whenever I'm trying to learn something is I try to get as many different types of data sources as I can into my brain. That always helps. Videos, articles, uh, conversations with people. You know, there's a, there's a lot of content out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to increase exponentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I find the same thing and find also that um, sometimes it doesn't work out like you expect. Like the I did a review of the Google Research Wide and Deep Learning paper. And, you know, they've got this cool YouTube video that, you know, simplifies everything. But I watched that and I didn't, I didn't get it. But then I went through the paper and oh, it made sense. And then I went back to the video and was like, oh, yeah, I don't know why I didn't get that before. Yeah. So I, I agree that, you know, having lots of different types of input uh, can make a, a big difference. Uh, so what, what's like, what's your roadmap for, for upcoming topics and research? Yeah. Um, so in terms of like the topics themselves, I kind of decide them week to week, but the, for the, the larger vision is to just focus on machine learning, kind of be like Khan Academy for machine learning. Mm. And I'm going to start needing help and from other people. So I'm hiring and, uh, yeah, just try to get, I'm just optimizing for subscribers. I want to get, you know, I want to get every developer on the planet to at least do a little bit of machine learning. I think it's super important. Uh, there are about 10 million developers on the planet right now and not nearly, there's not nearly enough that are even aware of how important machine learning is. Mm-hmm. Architecture engineering is a new uh, uh, feature engineering. And if you want to win, if you have a startup, if you if you have a, an idea, if you want to win, you, at this point you have to implement some sort of AI because if you don't, someone else will. So I want to make machine learning as, you know, democratize and make it as accessible and understandable as possible to as many people as possible. So I'm just going to keep going down that path and do whatever it takes to, to make that happen. And that's going to be lots and lots of videos in the future. You've got a new project that you're working on. Is that something that you can talk about? That's going to be public as well. Right? That's going to be public. Yeah. And it's not going to be on my channel. It's going to be on theirs, but a uh, big ML. Okay. Like I'm partnered. I've, I've now, you know, I've signed a deal with big ML. So I'm going to be making a video series for them um, about their product. And it's going to be, it's it's called cloud machine learning, and yep. it's using Big ML to do a bunch of uh, pragmatic real world applications. Mm-hmm. So the first one uh, is going to be uh, about climate change and how we can use machine learning to prevent climate change. Okay. So I'm super excited about that one. And then, so like because video content takes up so much of my time, I don't really have time to do things like client acquisition and yeah, you know all this all this stuff. So the the, the clients that I do have are the people who have come to me. And right yeah. now I have like seven or eight, and they're kind of in a queue. Uh, and yeah, I'm just taking on as much as I can handle at a time. And as I grow, I'm gonna start start looking at more. You know, ideally, you know, my goal is to one day partner with DeepMind. Mm-hmm. I want to make videos for DeepMind. Um, but they're like, I consider them like the Navy SEALs in machine learning. <laughs> so I've got to get, I've got to get to that level. You know, nice. the Apollo program for intelligence. Uh-huh. You know, if we solve intelligence, we can apply it to anything. Like just think of it as an objective function or X. Any problem you can ever think of, if you have the right 
learning algorithm and you say solve for X, it could solve it. Scientific research problems or even existential problems, the questions that have plagued us since day one. Who are we? Why are we here? What's the point of the universe? We might not be capable of figuring this stuff out ourselves, but a, a, a highly intelligent AI could. Mm-hmm. We might not like the answers. We might. <laughs> we might not like the answers. We might not like the answers. But where, where, so where do you fall on the whole singularity thing? I, that's what wakes, that's why I wake up in the morning. I want to make it a benevolent singularity happen as soon as possible, uh-huh. as soon as possible. what do you think about the, uh, the open AI research stuff that they put out a few weeks ago on safe machine learning? Have you been following that stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so specifically like, uh, ways to, they published this framework for, it was like four or five different areas of research that need to be kind of dug into so that we can ensure the safety and, you know, benevolence, as you put it, of, of AI. Like, you know, if we've got a AI powered robot, um, you know, how do we, how do we ensure that, you know, it doesn't learn how to game the system and, um, and, you know, for example, if it's being programmed to clean, right. How do, how do we know that, how do we program it so that it doesn't sweep stuff under the carpet? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, yeah. And then Google had like the kill switch paper, which I thought was super cool. I I like that open AI is thinking about this. I I love open AI in general, the, the, the concept behind it. I think, um, yeah, it's like preventing AI from doing bad things is, going to be really important. I mean, technology has always been a double-edged sword, you know, with the, sure, starting with the invention of fire. And I think that, you know, with security, I think that's going to be one of the first uh, where we're going to see, uh, we're going to see the power of AI in, uh, when it comes to protecting humans. If you have an AI and you train it to get really good at breaking into systems, the only thing that's going to be able to stop that is an AI that's good at detecting an AI that can break into systems. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's a great thing what they're doing. I think it's really important. I think it's really important. And and what Miri is doing as well, and uh, you know the ethics committee that DeepMind has to, at Google to prevent uh, you know malevolent types of AI, all this stuff is mm-hmm. super, super important. Miri is the Machine Intelligence Research Institute? Yeah, yeah, yeah in Berkeley. Yeah. And, you know, there's always a question, like, can we stop it? Um, you know, who knows? But it's, it's, it's good to try. And honestly, uh, if a malevolent AI uh, doesn't kill us, then something else likely will. So mm-hmm. this is something that um, this is something that's really important. Hmm. So what's your maybe taking a step back, like for folks that are trying to do you have a quick like if someone you know a friend comes up to you and says okay i really you know i really want to learn this stuff now like what's your curriculum what's your you know one two three uh list of stuff to do is it do you think are you trying to build your videos so that someone could just follow those and get everything that they need or uh are there some set of resources that you think are kind of canonical yeah so i think that um my videos are good if you know some basic Python. Mm-hmm. If you know Python, then my good, my videos are a great starting point. But I think that my videos alone are not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things of like combining different data sources. So I think my videos, in addition to some long form content, I think uh, so. For me, uh, Big ML has some great long form content. Um, there's uh, so you know I I actually don't think. I think that um, there's a deep learning course on Udacity uh, by a Google engineer who works at Google Brain. I forgot what it's called, but if you if you Google just like Udacity deep learning, uh, that that course is really good. That to me is, is even the TensorFlow course or not the TensorFlow course. Okay. That that's a great one. Um, but there's one specifically on deep learning in general. Um, there's just so much. I think it's it's one of those things where it's like. Okay, so if you're saying, like, I want to learn machine learning, I would say, like, okay, first learn Python um, uh, by reading the book, uh, Learn Python the Hard Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you once you feel like you're comfortable with Python, just start building things. Just start building things. And, and my videos are good because it's application-specific, and I make it really easy for you to, you know, just... When you hit compile and you see your model train, train, and then you can apply it to other things, that is, like, super useful for for your confidence as a machine learner and also just as a developer. So, and, and also just go, like go to GitHub and search for machine learning projects, like search for like machine learning demo or machine learning simple, and just mm-hmm. look at those readmes, download them, compile them, open it in a text editor and just like go through them one by one and like really try to understand what's happening, you know? And, and I would say start off at a high level because you know, some people would say it the other way, like start off at a low level, like learn exactly how to implement these models from scratch. No, no, no. I would say start off at a high level. And once you get it at a high level, then you can start like trying to rebuild, you know, uh, you know, you know, neural net from scratch. Yeah. Like custom you know, implement from ground up or implement some research or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Keras, Torch, lots of great libraries these days. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, what uh... Quora as well. Sorry, Quora is awesome. I've mm. learned so much from Quora. Just like you know, because I'll find one question on Quora on deep learning, and on the sidebar, it's like, oh my god, all these questions are amazing. <laughs> and then you have people like Jan LeCun answering them, and like yeah. Monica Anderson, and like all these like really famous research scientists. Yeah. So I've learned a lot from. Are Quora. there people that you? Is it primarily like? Search uh, base that where you find stuff, or are you they're following particular people and just kind of keeping up with them there? It's search based. Search based. Yeah, it's search based. How about on Twitter? Are there you mentioned Jan? Are there other folks that you uh, yeah find are good signal to noise uh, machine learning folks on Twitter? For sure, I think uh, for me, uh, I think Chris Dixon. He's a partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Mm-hmm. He he's he's good for like knowing. Uh, you know, what's up and coming in machine learning. I think he has a good eye for that. One person in general that I really respect about technology is Balaji Srinivasan, who's also a partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Hmm. That guy knows he lives in the future. And um, yeah, Bored Jan LeCun is also like a great Twitter handle. <laughs> I don't uh, think I've come across that one yet, but it sounds funny. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And. Yeah, and then and, and and following these big companies like Amazon and Google, 
is really important because you, you can see like, oh, they just released, you know, DSSTNE, their new machine learning library, yep. which needed to be renamed. But yeah. Destiny. It's great. I don't think You're so. You're not a fan? I'm not a fan. <laughs> but I mean, in general, I think uh, machine learning needs better marketing like a lot, uh-huh. a lot, you know. Not, I'm not going to diss anybody. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so for folks that, uh, aren't familiar with your, your videos, are there, you know, two or three that like, oh man, these were my favorite or these were my best or. Yeah. Um, I think so the, the one that ended up being most popular was AI composer, uh, that was mm-hmm. the second video I made for Machine Learning for Hackers. So AI Composer. So the top three would be like AI Composer. The one I'm most proud of is Generative Adversarial Networks because it was the hardest. And the one that I thought was the dopest was uh, Build an AI Artist because I just thought that application was really cool, like applying some style to some novel you know, picture. This is like the, the thing that Prism is doing now. That Prism is doing, yeah. Nice. Exactly. Nice. And so what is the, what's Composer? Composer is um, generating machine, like machine generated music. So you feed it some music, like a, a data set of like, you know, 500 songs. It'll learn the style of that song and then it can generate new music in that same style. Okay. And I trained in the, in the video over British folk music, but you could apply anything to it. One idea I, I thought would be really cool that someone uh-huh. should do is take Hans Zimmer music and generate music in the style of Hans Zimmer. So prism for music. Prism I mean, that's kind of what the magenta magenta is trying. Well, I'm, they're, they're not trying to do specifically that. But did you use magenta, any of their code in your in this project? I didn't. No, okay. no, no, no. This was uh, – for that, it was um, – not that. Yeah, it was uh I found it I found it on GitHub. Okay. And I modified it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um interesting. Uh what was I going to ask you? Oh, you've done a you've done a couple of videos on chatbots and uh chatbot platforms. That was a good one. Uh what do you think about that space and like what what'd you learn and you know over a few attempts at at playing around with that stuff? Yeah, I think um you know, I with the marketing effort, I expected I expected Wit AI, like Facebook's acquisition, that that chatbot chatbot building technology to be way better than it was. But what ended up happening is I found that API.ai had a much better uh it was much easier for me to build a chatbot with API.ai. Yeah. I think that chatbots in general are gonna get really popular and we're gonna replace all of our apps with chatbots. This is already happening in Asia. So like with WeChat, like mo- right. a lot of people don't even use apps anymore. Yeah, you know, in in China and stuff because uh, it's so easy to just say like, I, you know, you can even combine different apps together. Like, book me an Uber in thirty minutes at this location, uh, and take me to my favorite restaurant. And that's mm-hmm. querying like Yelp, your Google uh, or whatever you know your preferences locally, and the Uber app, or if it was in China, Quadi. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of potential for chatbots. And if you are like right now thinking about, you know, building a startup, um, I like if it was me, if it was me, I would be doing some kind of chatbot, chatbot for X, where there is no chatbot, because uh, this is just going to get more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Like I already use chatbots in Messenger for like, uh, you know, like 
detecting like scores and stuff like that. Scores of like, like sports, sports and scores? stuff. Yeah. Okay. Not, I mean, not, not that I watch sports, but like I just play around with them. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what are the other useful chatbots? I haven't found anything that's particularly useful. Like the thing that I haven't played around with a bunch of them, but you know, they're all kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, it doesn't feel like we're there yet. Yeah. Right? We're not there yet. We're not there yet, but we will be in like a year. That's how fast the space is moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to, it's just, yeah. Right now there's a lot of people who are like really knee deep in this stuff and they're building. Um, but we're going to see a lot of releases and like, you know, because the bigger players haven't caught on yet that, you know, that's one of the reasons, but def, I promise you Uber has a team dedicated to this. Airbnb has a team oh, dedicated absolutely. to it, right? Absolutely. And then Facebook's releasing M, which they're training right now full time with like humans and machines, and it's just getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And people internally at Facebook are using this, and I talked to you know some of these people, and they really like it. Um, and I was like, please give me an invite to M. They're like, wouldn't you like to have an invite? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. If anyone at face- Facebook is listening, we both want invites to M. Yes, please, <laughs> please. Nice, nice. Uh, well, that yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. Anything that yeah. you'd want to leave folks with, or point them to, or um, you know, have them to check out? Yeah, um, yeah, I would say uh, definitely subscribe to my channel because I'm just getting started, and uh, that's where I'm putting all of my effort into right now. And uh, what else? I would say. If you're a unicorn video producer, if you're a unicorn machine learning, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you if you're a video editor who happens to know how to program as well, definitely uh, you know message me on Twitter because uh, I'm looking for you because I need you. And uh, yeah, just don't don't give up. If if you know machine learning is you know it's it's kind of hard, but it's a worthwhile endeavor, and you can make a lot of money for it from it, and you can learn a lot and it's going it, to, and if you, if you get good at learning about machine learning, which is one of the, it can be one of the hardest things on the planet to learn, like solving intelligence, like the human brain, like how do we work is equivalent to asking like, what is the universe? If you can get good at that, it's just going to train your brain to be good at so many different things. So yeah, don't give up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. All right, everyone, that's it for today's interview. Before we go, a reminder that This Week in Machine Learning and AI and O'Reilly have partnered to offer one lucky listener a free pass to the inaugural O'Reilly AI Conference, which will be held at the end of September in New York City. You can enter via Twitter or the twimmelai.com website by doing one of the following three things. The preferred way of entering is via Twitter. Just follow at TwimmelAI, T-W-I-M-L-A-I, and retweet the contest tweet that I'll pin to the account and post in the show notes. Do those two things and you'll be entered. If you're not on Twitter, you can sign up for my newsletter at twimmelai.com newsletter and add a note, please enter me in the additional comments field. Finally, if you're not on Twitter and you aren't interested in the newsletter, no problem. Just go to the contact form on twimmelai.com and send me a message with that form using AI contest as the subject. The drawing will be open to entries through September 1st, and I'll announce the winner on the September 2nd show. Good luck and hope to see you in New York. Thanks again for listening.